Hello and welcome back to the Megan Till Midnight podcast. I'm your host, Megan Roshak. On today's podcast, I am joined by Kirsty Taylor, a relationship, dating, and self-love writer. We discuss a bit of her story as well as attachment styles, the breakup list, boundaries, and mixed signals when it comes to dating. I can't wait for you all to hear her insight, so let's jump right in. First, can you tell us just a bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Kirsty, and um, I'm a dating and relationship writer. I've written for various publications like Cosmo and Well and Good and Washington Post. And then I also write a lot on Medium and Thought Catalog. And yeah, that's I guess that's that's it. I'm a writer, and I help people. I also oh, I write an advice column as well. I always forget about that. My advice column with a dating app called Iris Dating. And yeah, I just love helping people with their love lives and all of that. No, that's awesome. I know when we were first in contact, I thought it was just interesting kind of the variety of publications that you write for. I know probably the one that stuck out to me right away was Cosmo since I get that delivered every month. So it was really cool cool to see that Um, because I think I saw your latest article that you had like in the magazine was, Mm -hmm. what was it called exactly? But staying at my boyfriend's childhood home. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I always, I think that was the August issue or October. I can't remember, but yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, no, I remember that because I was looking through your Instagram and then I like saw the Cosmo pages and I was like, wait. And then I like look over alongside <laughs> me and I'm like, my Cosmo stack is there. I looked through. So that was just like a cool connection. That's so um, funny. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm glad you saw it. <laughs> of course. And then what kind of sparked you to start writing about relationships? I'm very interested in how you got into this. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of like a series of events that brought me to where I am, as is a lot of things in life. Um, I guess, it, I mean, it does have to do with my own personal experience with relationships and dating. Um, for basically a decade, I was a serial monogamist, just jumping from one relationship to the next. And it wasn't until these my two last exes, um, they were just back-to-back relationships that I, were in, that I was in, and they were both just horrible and the guys were very much the same and they were both bad and I stayed well past when I should have and I was so miserable and I've always struggled with depression since I was in middle school so they kind of just coincided the last breakup happened and I was like why do I keep doing this to myself like what is it about myself that can't that needs to be in a relationship all the time or like can't draw boundaries or um be able to notice red flags. And so I decided to write them there. I was like, I'm going to take a year off from dating. I'm going to just focus on myself. I've never done this. And um, the big, I mean, a lot of people do that. So like the big thing that happened was that I was just, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to read a bunch of books. And I had a friend um, recommend the book Attached to Me. I started reading Codependence No More. And I really got into, I really loved reading about like, relationship psychology I was I was fascinated I was like wow like there's actually so much sense behind what I'm feeling and why I'm having trouble like making boundaries and why I pick these up from my childhood and everything so I started researching and reading and all of that and this time coincided with me um, quitting my job as a technical recruiter and so 
I was like also trying to make a career change. I was like, I'll take a part-time job as a nanny and figure out what I want to do. And during that time, someone was like, hey, there's this new website called Medium. You should check it out. You're a good writer. I think it was either my dad. I think it was my dad and a friend. Both of them said that. And I was like, you know what? I'll give this Medium thing a try. So I wrote a, or I wrote a couple of posts, but I wrote one post that was about a boyfriend that I had in college who was emotionally abusive. And I just kind of explained my whole experience and like really what I learned from that and kind of applied some of the relationship psychology stuff that I learned. And it did really well and people really liked it and resonated with it. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna keep doing this writing thing. And I just started writing more and more on Medium and that picked up and I gained the following from that. And then I was like, well, I'm going to start pitching to magazines and one thing led to another. And then I got a book deal and it just all went after that. <laughs> no, that's awesome to hear your story with everything. And I love how it just kind of naturally came out of your experiences. That's like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to put this out there, see how people respond. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really cool wild. to like get that feedback and then be able to go yeah. even farther with it. Yeah. It leads in well to what can we expect from your book, What I Wish I Knew About Love. That's yeah. in February. Yeah. The book is kind of a culmination of essays and lessons that I've learned throughout my life and again through all that research that I did. Um, all into one book. But I put a lot more narrative behind it than what I've written just out online that everyone can read out there. There's a lot more stories. And it's not necessarily that I'm like, these stories are so grand and different, but it's like the relatability factor. Like we all have that one ex that we really, or some guy we really wanted um, to like us and he just never did and he went for some different girl. Or we all have that ex that treated us like crap. Or we all have our first love and all of that. And so it's just, I explain my own stories and then kind of go into the lesson that can be learned from it. Um, yeah, so it's coming out in February. Oh, I should say it also like moves through each phase of love, which is kind of, it starts with um, like getting over a breakup, then it starts or goes into like self-love and then going into finding a great partner and creating a great relationship. So there's all those different sections. So no, like no matter where you're at in your love life, there's something for you. And I love that it connects back to like, again, like the personal stories. I know my favorite kind of like relationship books to read are ones that come off of people's personal experiences and then are kind of like, okay, no, on the flip side, like how can you apply this kind of to your life? So I really like exactly. that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and I just feel like that's more engaging. I know if you're looking for like a how-to on like anything, it's a lot easier to like interact with a text where someone has personal experience and is sharing mm -hmm. that rather than here's a step-by-step -step guide of like. Yeah, well, one of the things that I loved about writing and what I love about like how I write is that even if it's not, I'm not conveying like a personal story, like I'm conveying someone else's story, when you storytell or you tell a story to get a point across, you get your point across so much more effectively and people remember it than if you're just like, this is what you should do. This is what science says. Like stories just help us um, retain information so much better. I completely agree. And two, it's just way more just enjoyable and it feels more authentic and more like something that, oh, like that could apply to my life too. Like I see that connection. Yeah, um, exactly. 
And then some topics that I want to get into since I would consider you like an expert in these areas um, would be attachment styles, the breakup list, boundaries, and mixed signals. Um, So first, just starting off, can you explain attachment styles a bit? Yeah, totally. So I love attachment theory. It's probably one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, So attachment theory is really, it's, I'm always like, where do I start with this? It's a theory developed by um, psychologists back in, I think, the 60s. And it's basically studies children and their attachment with their parents and how they were raised as kids and then how that goes on to affect them as adults and how they're able to um, interact romantically with people. So there's three kind of four main attachment styles. There's secure, anxious, avoidant. But within avoidant, there's two. I always get the names wrong, but essentially there's like dismissive avoidant. And then, oh, then there's fearful avoidant. So to kind of make sense of all of these, the secure attachment style, I always use this um, analogy of like kids at a daycare. So the secure attachment style is like, if you drop, if a mom dropped off their kid at the daycare, the kid would be, and left, the kid would be upset, but then they go play with their friends and they'd be happy when their mom comes back. An anxious attachment kid would have their kid, the mom would drop them off at the, the preschool and they would just cry for hours and hours, basically until their mom came home. Like they could not have the coping mechanisms to make, to self-soothe themselves. Um, and then avoidant would be like, I don't care. And basically not care when their mom came back. So that affects us later. And that's, that's a very like, uh, that's a very specific example, but basically it's like how your parents showed you love and everything as a child. Um, and then it goes on into affect us in adulthood as in like an anxious person's the person that's checking their phone all the time and worried that at any moment their partner's going to leave them. Um, the avoidant is very commitment, a commitment phobe. They're scared of commitment. They're either, they're either scared of it or they just like don't want it. Um, and then secure is like the happy people in relationships that we all wish we could be. Maybe you are. I'm personally not. I'm an anxiously attached person. Um, my boyfriend's secure and I'm just like, how? How? <laughs> I feel like there's definitely like, it makes so much more sense when you explain it. Like, I love that analogy because I think that just makes it like so like clear and concise what those things mean because I know sometimes like I'll just be like scrolling through like TikTok or whatever and I'll get like things recommended to me that are like explaining attachment styles and sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm just oh I just feel called out like I'm like (laughs) I don't understand fully but I just feel called out right now you're like I don't understand but I resonate that's me yeah (laughs) yeah like that's the thing and I think too like realizing like what they are I can definitely see where I think myself I probably like move in between some of them like a little bit where it's like there will be times where it's like okay like I'm in the like happy zone and then it's like okay you know I think Uh, what's interesting about attachment style because sometimes people be like my parents were perfectly fine with me but I have I'm I have a lot of anxiety again this is a theory this is really just like a way of understanding yourself more so than like concrete solid like this is how the universe and the world works. Um, so it's like if you're if you watch a TikTok or something, which I I post on TikTok about anxious attachment style and stuff too, and people are always like, 
I feel so called out. <laughs> um, but if you see something like that and you're like, oh, that resonates with me, but not that part, it doesn't mean that like ways to cope and get less anxious in your relationships and get better with an anxious attachment style don't apply to you just because your parents were like great parents and they didn't neglect you or whatever. It just means like, okay, like you at least realize that you're anxious and those same coping mechanisms or like management styles and stuff still apply to you. So it's like, and like you said, like maybe sometimes you feel secure and sometimes you feel anxious and really just kind of like understanding the underlying premise, which is this is how you deal with anxiety. This is how you deal with fear. You know, it all kind of still runs through dating relationships. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good to kind of have the mindset that it's like, it can be fluid, but like, here are the things that I can do about it. Mm -hmm, Exactly. No, and I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels called out by those sometimes. (laughs) 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 And then um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the breakup list that you had mentioned. So what does that all entail? Yeah, so I really should look this up one day because I've been using it for so long and I don't know if I got it from somewhere or I was just like, I'm going to start doing this. But essentially a breakup list. So every time I break up with someone or we break up or a relationship ends, even if I dated the person for like two weeks, if I'm really upset and like it's hard for me to get over it, I pull out my phone and I put it on my notes app. So I always have it with me. But I essentially make a a list of every single thing that bothered me about that person. It could be, and at this point, normally I would say don't care about superficial things when you're dating. But once it's done, like, Write down everything, superficial or not. Like, if you thought that their glasses were weird or that their hair was weird, like, write it down. Anything that just kind of makes your brain stop remembering all of the good things that happened in the relationship and remember the reality of the relationship. So what we do when we break up is that it's so easy to romanticize and remember the good and completely forget the bad because when we remember the good, it feels good and we get all those good emotions that we had from the relationship that we like so much. And then, but that also leads to, you know, wishing we were still dating them or missing them or feeling like crap or feeling like we made a mistake. So in the list, I write down everything. It can be like an experience, like, hey, I went with, um, this person I was dating to a party and they left me and I was there all night and I felt really excluded. Um, it could be that this one specific time they said something that was a joke, but was racist and it rubbed me the wrong way. But at the time I was like, you know what? No big deal. Write it all down. Just that little trigger that you can like read when you're missing them and be like, you know what? This is what the relationship was like. And they're not as perfect as like my mind is making me think they are. I think that's good because it just offers then like that concrete, like (laughs) here is the proof. Yeah. Because I think sometimes like it can be hard, like if it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, like (laughs) to not face like the reality of the situation. And it even makes me think about, I was attending, this is totally separate, but I was attending like a little like beauty webinar and they were saying like beauty tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. And one of them was just talking about how anxious she gets when she doesn't know when she left the house, like, is my curling iron unplugged? So what she Mm -hmm. does is takes a picture of it, unplugged, just to make sure like mentally, like I checked in with myself, it's unplugged. 
walked out the door. Now, if I feel like anxious about did I unplug it or not, I can look back through my photos. So it, it kind of feels like yeah. that same type of mentality where it's like, okay, like this is my concrete proof. This is my list. And this is what I can refer back to. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of like the same concept. It's something that can just help you relax your mind and not get all caught up in like these anxious thoughts or whatever, overthinking. Yeah. And I know when I first um, saw the breakup list too, I like was thinking, I immediately thought back, I think it was How I Met Your Mother, like one of those like kind of sitcom shows where uh-huh. they did like pros and cons lists for different relationships. Yeah. And honestly, maybe that's where I've got it from. So I've seen that a lot. The pros and cons, like, should I date this person? Should I not? Maybe at some point I just got rid of the pro part and was like, the con helps me feel better. But totally, that people do that all the time, like movies and stuff. Like, should I? There's one movie I can't remember. Oh, actually, never mind. No one's gonna know this movie because it was so obscure. It was like uh, something about Polly, and it was uh, Jennifer Aniston and Ben Stiller. Oh, I can't. Something about Polly. Anyways, and she made a he made a breakup list, and she found it. And she was like, oh my god. But yeah, exactly. It's like the same thing. That's my. That might be where I got it from. Yeah, no, I just think, I think it's funny because I feel like that's played out probably in so many different movies and then someone always finds it and then it's yeah. always like a disaster, but then it's like, right. well, if all the proof was there, then maybe, maybe yeah. that's a sign. <laughs> and then another thing was I want to hear more about boundaries. I feel like this is another thing that when I'm scrolling through TikTok or just scrolling anywhere, I hear a lot about boundary setting, but what exactly are boundaries? And if you could just kind of explain that. Yeah, totally. So boundaries are kind of just, I just like to think of them as limits that you set for people on how they can treat you. And so some people are like, oh, boundaries keep people out, blah, 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 blah. But what I really, a quote that I really loved was by, um, the psychologist and researcher Brene Brown. I'm sure you've heard of her by now. She's she's all over the internet. Um, she said something along the lines of boundaries aren't meant to keep people out. They're meant to keep you safe. And so essentially they are things, limits that you set for yourself and that you create yourself. And you're like, I know that so like an example would be, I know that I need one night a week from my partner um to be alone i need to just like i need that time i need that time to like really recharge and everything and so by setting that boundary by having a talk with your um partner and being like hey like just like you know like this is what i need that is respecting your needs so basically boundaries are a way to respect your needs respect what you need from different relationships because a lot of the times people don't make boundaries and then if someone asks a lot of you or someone like makes you feel really uncomfortable all the time you're going to start resenting them um a friend family a romantic partner like boundaries go uh, apply to all of these if you don't set them you're going to start regret or resenting those people they're like say your friend constantly asks you to hang out and you don't have the ability to say no. Like your boundary is again, I need those like that time to myself during the week, but every day you're saying yes, yes, yes. Or anytime they want to come over, you're saying yes. So you're not creating that boundary. Over time, 
you feel exhausted. You're like, I want just a night to myself, but you're keeping all that in. Meanwhile, you're thinking your part, your friend is the bad person. They have no idea that they're crossing your boundary. So by letting them know, hey, I need this time alone to myself, you're not going to slowly start to resent them and build up that angst against them. Yeah, that makes sense. And my immediate kind of thought with boundaries is work. I think Mm. constantly work can be a thing where if you're getting messages like, hey, like, can you pick up this project? Like, it's not too Mm. much to add on or things like that, where you're put in situations where it's like, wait, my boundary was I wanted to actually be done working remotely at like five o'clock, you know, and then now this is packing on. And I think it's almost it's almost a bit harder to deal with during, I mean, COVID times when you are just home all the time, if it's with work or even with a partner to like kind of schedule time where it's like, this is just me time. So I think boundaries are probably just becoming especially important to have. Yeah, totally. No, you make such a good point. I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with like, cause I'm self-employed. So in that sense, I don't have that experience. Um, but I'm, it's, literally basically the same thing and I'm not sure I'd be saying I guess like it would be like saying hey I can help you with this um I'll get to it in the morning or I can't get into to it until the morning is that okay I guess that would be a way of setting boundary I assume that like straight up saying hey I'm not working past five I can't might be a little harsh I don't know if that's like work appropriate um but no, same with like um, setting boundaries in a relationship or when you're dating and you live with your partner or you live with or you're constantly with the person that you're dating and everyone knows you're just not doing anything or should ever be doing anything. Um, and it's like, how do you be like, oh, I need that time for myself. But honestly, it's as easy as that. It's as easy as saying it is nothing against you. I just need this time to recharge and be like the best partner I can be by having that time for myself. Yeah. And I think that's just a good thing to realize during this time, because as much as like I'm extroverted and as much as other people might be extroverted, you still need time alone to recharge. I think everyone kind of needs that time. And I think a lot of people would understand if you worded in the right way, because like you said, I mean, this is only one specific boundary, obviously, but like the alone time, I think everyone can agree that at some point they want to be alone. And if they don't, I'd be like, why is that? (laughs) yeah yeah then they start to feel called out by the tiktoks i think it comes back to those (laughs) and they get the tiktok algorithm going (laughs) yeah that's funny and then i think that we did kind of touch on like how can we set boundaries by just being like honest and open with communication yeah and also some people are like well i don't know what my boundaries are and i would just sit sit down by yourself one day and think like hey when do I feel really uncomfortable with my friends and family or in a relationship? When do I feel like, what do I feel like I'm not getting out of my relationships? And I'll just say relationships for family, friends, all of that. What am I not getting out of my relationships? And when do I feel violated? Um, when do I feel disrespected? And then what boundary could you be put, could you put in place to be like, this is how I can fix that. I can fix that. You know, your mom calls too much all the time. It's best for you to pick up and it's really stressful, you know? Mom, hey, like, I love you, but I can only talk from 4 to 6 p.m. That's when you can call me and I'll be more than happy to pick up. 
Um, or, you know, like I'm working, I can't pick up all the time, but you can call me during these hours or I'll, I promise that I'll at least text you and let you know when I can call you back, something like that. Um, I think what, what a lot of people struggle with is like, what do they do if their boundary is crossed, which is a whole other thing and is really hard, but you kind of have to understand what your consequences are going to be, which is either a talk uh, or just like taking time back or stepping back from them. Um, or it could be a boundary in dating could be that you don't date that person anymore. You could be like, you know, going on dates with this person and they cross, they don't respect your boundary. Like they try to get you to sleep with them on the first date. And then the second date and all they do is just pressure you about it. And you're like, yo, like I told you what my boundary was that I don't want to like, uh, this probably isn't going to be a good match. So I think that, yeah, that's how you set them. And then that's how you follow through on them. I think that's good, too, to realize, like, there has to be follow-through, because if you don't, then people can just cross, and it just gets messy, but... Exactly. It's like the kid, if you don't, if if you're always like, you're going to be in trouble if you don't eat your vegetables, or you don't listen to me, and then they start to listen to you at first, but then they push it, and then nothing happens. They're like, I'm not going to listen to you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And then another thing that I think many of us can relate to is getting or maybe even giving mixed signals at some point while dating. Maybe this will be some kind of hard love (laughs) advice. What do mixed signals really mean? Yeah, so I have a very strong stance on mixed signals. I basically see it as they're, the person's not interested. They might be semi-interested, but they're not seriously interested. And if your goal is to seriously date, which a lot of people it is, and then they'll be like, oh, but it's fine if it's casual. But like, honestly, if your goal is to seriously date and someone's giving you mixed signals, it's, it's a sign they're not, they're not interested. Someone is always going to prioritize um, what they want most in life. Some people that'll be family, some people that'll be friends or that's going to the gym or something like that. And you're, if you're seeing that like the person cancels on you easily or they don't text you back for like a week, but you see them going out to the gym and going out to get dinner, they're not busy or whatever their excuse is. Like they're choosing not to text you back. If someone really wanted to date you, they would. And I also think of it this way. I'm like, do you really want the person that you're going to date um, seriously to be treating you like this? Even if it ends up changing down the road, it's still not a good way to treat a person. Um, So it kind of like, on the flip side, if you're texting someone sporadically, it's probably a sign you're just not into that person. And I don't think it's fair to either, either either give it a shot or let the person go. Because I don't think it's fair to either of you to try to like string someone along or uh, give them false hope um, because it's not fun when it happens to you. It's not fun when it happens to them. Yeah, just like a confusing in-between zone really isn't good for anyone involved, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. unless someone's like maliciously trying to send mixed signals, then maybe they're getting something out of it. But I think yeah. most of the time, <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other thing. <laughs> but I think if like, if you're just kind of like along for the ride, because like, hey, this person's chill, but Eh. Mm-hmm. like then it's like well yeah. m- maybe put that aside and like yeah I mean like if you've if you've talked about it and they said there wasn't casual then you're totally like you know whatever casual is fine um but if a person 
said they want something serious and you're continuing to just string them along or like text them two weeks after not talking to them and then like miss you like come on let's be let's do better <laughs> exactly like like you know what you're doing there like this person yeah. did all of us on flip exactly what they wanted with you yeah exactly exactly and then is there anything else that you would like to add I think people need to have a lot more fun dating. I think nowadays people put way too much pressure on dating. And I'm probably seeing this from like, again, the anxious attachment sound from like more people with anxiety, but people need to have more fun dating. Like first dates should not be like this scary, crazy thing. I actually um, heard a quote recently from a relationship author, Logan Yuri, and she said, first, the goal of a first date is to see if you want to go on a second date. That is it. That is it. Do not go into the date thinking that like this person's going to potentially be the one. Do not go in thinking like I need to be so on my game and make them like me. Like you are there to have fun, have a good night and to see if you want to go on a second date with that person. That's it. And I say that from a place of I did not do that when I was younger uh, and I was single. I would get so anxious about first dates. And I just never even realized if I liked the right the other person and I didn't really have fun. Oh, and that's another thing. Sorry, I'm like rambling. Um, <laughs> that's another thing. If dinner and drinks, which I guess every dinner is everyone's thing because everyone eats, but if drinks are not your thing or going out to dinner in a in like darker restaurants or everything is not your thing, do not plan dates that are that are dinner and drinks. Everyone defaults to it because it's just easy, you know, it is what it is. But honestly, like sometimes going to dinner and trying to talk to someone that you don't know is awkward. Like personally, I don't drink that much, so I'm not even into going to a bar and grabbing a drink. It's not really my jam. Um, make date first dates more fun. Like go, well, I mean, things are a lot different right now. Go to a socially distanced picnic at a park or do a virtual date that's like going to virtual museums or an in-person date where you're going to virtual museums, whatever, like, or, you know, if things go back to normal, go to a museum, go to a music something, like just do something that's kind of interesting. Even if the person kind of sucks or you don't like them or you don't decide to move forward, at least you did something you liked. Yeah, that's the yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice. And definitely um, dinner dates can be kind of difficult because let's say you're not not feeling it. You've mm-hmm. committed to dinner. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's like the biggest like issue. With, Dinner's like, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I think coffee dates are perfect. Coffee is like, you're not having to see the person at night. You're not drinking and then worrying about how to get home or whatever. Coffee is pretty short. It can be short. And like, hey, like, I got to go do something. It's during the day, so you have excuses, too. There's a million things you could have to go do. Um, but coffee. Coffee's great. I agree. And especially, like you said, like, daylight. Best friend when it comes to first dates, especially if you're meeting, like, off apps. Just mm-hmm. just make sure to stay yeah. safe with that. So, exactly. yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, too, um, like, like you said, it can be short or it can go even longer. I know like if I'm like sitting in a coffee shop having conversations with my friends, sometimes we can sit there for like three hours, you know, yeah, like, totally. <laughs> totally. so it's nice, a little bit more flexible then. Exactly. Exactly. Coffee dates are the way to go. <laughs> and then where can we find you after this episode? 
Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's words with Kirsty, and my name is my name is spelled K-I-R-S-T-I-E. Um, you can also find me on TikTok. I do a lot of um, videos about dating and stuff on there, which is just Kirsty Taylor, K-I-R-S-T-I-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R-R, two R's. Um, yeah, those two are probably the best because then I link out, well, on my Instagram, I link out to all my articles and everything. You can always Google my name, Kirsty Taylor, and all my articles pop up, although not books because there's a, there's a girl that's named Kirsty Taylor and she writes like adult erotica books. Those aren't mine. <laughs> those are not mine. <laughs> I'm sure she's a great writer, but I'm just going to say that's not my writing. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> That's kind of great. If people are just searching you and being like, ooh, who right. is she? And then, oh. I feel like that's, like, slightly in my realm, too, because it's, like, relationships in a sense. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if people ever think that that's my writing. Like, it could get easily mixed up. I could see that. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> but, I mean, speaking of that, where can we get your book when it's out? <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be out on Amazon, and then Thought Catalog is the publisher that I'm publishing with, so it'll be on their website, which is Thought Catalog Books. Actually, I don't know what the website is called, but it's thoughtcatalog.com, and then their link with wherever books are. Anyways, um, I'll be posting about it on my Instagram and TikTok. Um, There's no set date for it to come out, but it will be coming out sometime in February, and pre-orders will start in January, which is exciting. Thank you so much for listening. I would love for you to keep up with me and the show on Instagram. My personal account is at Megan period Roshak and the show page is at Megan till midnight pod. I can't wait to chat with you all next, next week.